the anticipation of waiting for mm-hmm. something to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just constant anxiety and fear of like, what? okay, what is it going to be next? And how mm-hmm. how long am I going to have before it happens again? When the living gets hard and the pain kicks in and you feel too trapped in your own damn skin, take a deep breath down and a deep breath yeah. Welcome to the good low. Hey everyone, it's Bailey. Welcome back to Good Low with Bailey Norton. Again, it is me, Bailey Norton. Hi! How are you? I hope everyone is having a great week. Um, As always, like, share, subscribe, follow this podcast if you aren't already. If you give me a rating of five stars, I'll read it on the podcast unless you would like me to not do that. But thank you again so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, This is episode 12 of my podcast and today's guest is one of my dearest friends, someone who I became friends with when I was 19 at my college orientation. And we talk about kind of how we like met each other, but we both uh, we dropped out of of college and uh, eventually, after lots of things happened, uh, moved to LA. And one of the things that happened in between those things was Will got a divorce. Uh, Will got married in his early 20s and then divorced also in his early 20s at age 24, which not a lot of people can say. Um, But we come from a part of the country, a part of the state, really, even in Missouri, where people just get married young. And Will got married to a man, so it's a little atypical even for, like, the Bible Belt. But um, there's a lot that he has to say about it. It's really fascinating. Um, I don't know very many people my age who have already experienced a divorce. Um, And I think there's a lot of value that you get out of difficult lessons like this. And so it's really lovely to hear him talk about the perspective that he has now that he is kind of on the other side of his divorce like very much on the other side of it I would say in a in healthier relationships has you know new friendships um and just more sort of understanding of what he needs and wants in this life like I don't know anyone who has gotten a divorce and um and, and thought that that was the wrong decision. I guess that there are people who remarry. Whatever. Will is not going to be one of those people. Um, and it's just really fascinating to hear him talk about this experience. So thank you again for tuning in. I'm going to let Will take it away. Sometimes I get high, sometimes I get low. Being young's a bitch, it's always getting old. Life is real sweet, I'm learning how to grow. When the living gets hard and the pain kicks in, and you feel too trapped in your own damn skin, take a deep breath out and a deep breath in. Welcome to the good low. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hello, Will. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You just got back from Palm Springs. Yeah. How was Palm Springs? It's really nice. Yeah? We needed it really yeah. bad. Just get away and not do anything at all. Sit in the hot tub, stare at the... Oh, I think there were three stars we could see, so that was... Is there light pollution out there? Oh, yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, I mean, got you that, can see though. a couple, but it's not like... It's not like being home for us where you can actually see things. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Will and I are both from uh, rural Missouri. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, that is where we... Our origins. Not by choice. <laughs> start. Nobody chose it. No, 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 no. We could not have chosen to be born there. Who would? No one. Actually, Buddhists believe that, like, they have this belief that, like, children choose their parents. 
Interesting. So maybe we did choose that. I mean, I feel like I got a good pair, so yeah, I'm okay with that. I got. I love when people say, "I." When any when anyone says, "I got a good pair," I always go, "Oh, you're you like your parents." <laughs> That's your immediate assumption. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, you have a good relationship with your really family. Really love your parents. <laughs> <laughs> that chick has a nice pair on her. <laughs> yeah, she seems really well adjusted. Yeah, they did well raising her. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so you went to palm springs mm-hmm. and you went with your boyfriend yes and did you go with anyone else um dave and greg our Fun. friends and our other friends art and aaron that's nice So we got a nice house it was really big um there were some things about it that were like this was not in the pictures at all oh like what like you pull up and there's no front door to the house at all and they haven't (laughs) landscaped it probably in a year and a half so it literally looks like an abandoned building on the outside house have no door right okay yeah i could see how that would be maybe an issue it was yeah we drove around the house probably three or four times before we realized that we just had to go through the gate in order to get into the front door um But the house was really nice inside. And oh, it had that's this great. Beautiful. Uh, it's called a swim spa. What does that mean? It's so it's a hot tub, but it's so big that you can actually swim in it. And oh my god, technically do laps because it has those jets, you know, that give you enough resistance that you aren't moving in the water. So you oh, can literally swim. So you're in like it. stationary mm-hmm. and swimming. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but it's hot. It was really cool. It was super hot. Um, the only thing about the hot tub was all of the instructions were in German. Sure, but if you knew German, which was easy for us because we right. don't, it's a lot of like, yeah, and nine. Mm-hmm. You could have called me. I got a C in German in college. I should have done that. You should I should have, have taken a picture of every single system setting and sent it to you <laughs> and asked you for instructions. I would have been like, yeah, ja, und der Katze ist. Uh, I have I don't remember a single word I'm realizing. That was really good though. If Dankeschön. I did, didn't know German and I don't, I would think you really were speaking it. And it really was. Yeah, I believe I you. I said the cat and uh. uh. <laughs> um I loved German. My grandpa like uh whenever he he was like in his like late 70s, early 80s and just decided that he wanted to like learn foreign language and in his like senior years like truly he mastered french and mastered german oh my god and like went and traveled uh in europe a lot and like he loved german especially and he went to germany and he told me that he like met you know just like kind of like had small talk with some guy there and they became friends and then as my grandpa was leaving the guy asked him in german like hey where are you from and my grandpa was like springfield missouri and then like <laughs> ran off like drove away what? laughing maniacally what? i don't know he was just like so good at it which is so crazy because i think it's so hard to like learn anything at any point in time but was, especially when yeah. you're old you yeah know? i can't imagine doing that and foreign language is hard. Especially if you feel like German would be really hard. It's so unnatural to what we know. Oh, like the shapes that you have to make with yeah. your mouth. Yeah. That would be super difficult. My grandpa, uh, I would call him and we would like try to, he would like try to teach me some words in German. And he taught me the phrase, uh, ich freue mich sie kennen zu lernen, which means it pleases me to know you or like nice to meet you basically. Mm-hmm. And I would like try to say it back to him and I would say it exactly like he, how he was saying it. And he was like, no, no, nine, you know, like nine, <laughs> that's wrong. 
And I'd be like, okay, well, I guess I just, I guess I just don't fucking get it. <laughs> that is literally exactly what happens with me and Dylan all the time when he's trying to teach me new Spanish words. Really? I will say it to him exactly how he's saying it, but then he changes it and he's like, no, you're wrong. It's supposed to be this way. I'm like, no. Do not gatekeep your language. Excuse. Uh, Dylan's, I mean, not Dylan, Will's boyfriend Dylan is from Colombia. Mm-hmm. I was just watching this thing. Uh, this documentary and it's about how there are just um, what is it they called it an invasive species they're hippos there are like hundreds of hippos in the rivers in Colombia I did not know this I didn't either but it's because Pablo Escobar before he died he was like yeah, I want hippos so he just like got hippos because you know he's like this huge like rich kingpin like drug lord and so he like just got a bunch of hippos and then they you know i guess the climate there like worked for them and they live in the rivers and then they just like bred and now there are hundreds that's insane at least over a hundred yeah one person just changing the entire ecosystem of a whole country just (laughs) because he was rich and wanted to have a hippo around yes yeah. That's insane. He just wanted hippos around. I'm going to have to ask him if he knows anything about this. I know. Well, they, <laughs> in the documentary, they interview people who've been attacked by the hippos. Which are apparently really vicious. Vicious creatures. Yeah. Absolutely horrifying how strong they are. They're like, they're like if a huge pig was super mean <laughs> and, was, and could like run fast. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not doing a great impression. I was doing, you can't see me. But I was pretty close. It's what I would call sort of just a classic hippo waddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Um, okay. So you had fun. Dylan yeah. had fun. It was great. You we were really relaxed. Good yes. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. It was very much needed. Things have been too much lately. It yeah. It was nice to have a couple days away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, and you can answer this as honestly as you would like to. How are you doing lately? Really tough. Yeah? (laughs) But things are good. It's just a lot of, like, um, adjustment stress, you know, Mm -hmm. to changes at work and life and, you know, it's like all of the usual stresses, but it's good that doesn't make it any easier. For sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, like shedding your skin doesn't isn't like an easy thing to do i don't think oh yeah i love doing it so frequently doesn't that suck where you're like oh cool i just like labored through this like new version of myself and now immediately i have to do it again it's just fucking exhausting redo that whole process (laughs) (laughs) i um yeah i know what you mean i i had therapy today i talk about my british therapist quite a bit Mm -hmm. um I realized I'm very intimidated by her because not only is she like cool and British, but she like doesn't talk that much, which makes me talk a lot, mm-hmm. which is actually good for me because then I end up like saying stuff that I I get stuff out that maybe I like didn't realize. Yeah, because it's just like stream of conscious kind of thing, just like throwing it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, then, and you know, then I'll be like, and then she... Her style is very, like, I can see what she's doing, and it works. Like, she just really listens, and then she repeats everything back to me, like, exactly. Um, But making, like, inferences and, like, you know. uh, And I realized today, because today it was one of those sessions where I was just like, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Like, I don't think I have a ton to talk about. And Mm -hmm. then she just was like, okay. (laughs) And then I was like, actually, okay. 
<laughs> and I just like started like kind of going off. And then she, she would say things that triggered me, you know, things like, gosh, yeah, that, t- that makes total sense why you'd feel that way. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, just stuff that any normal therapist would say. And mm. I was just like, ooh, <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't tell me it makes sense. You're making connections. Yeah. <laughs> Stop doing that. Stop connecting what I'm saying. Don't listen to anything that I'm saying. I'm full of shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was a, all that to say, I think when you are pursuing a more authentic version of yourself, it just doesn't feel awesome. No, it hurts. It's really painful. It hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. It sucks. And then also, like, if you're doing it because you have to, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like eventually you get to this place in life where you're like, okay, this doesn't feel good to me anymore. All these things that I were, all these things that I was doing for, like, most of my life actually don't feel good anymore. Right. Which I think is a good sign because it means, like, okay, well, you're moving towards a more, like, authentic version of yourself. Like, you're, you you can recognize that there are certain things that aren't working for you anymore, which means that there are different things that are going to work for you. And then finding that, I think, fucking sucks. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what's been going on with me. Specifically, things that aren't working for me anymore. Like, things that I used to do that Mm -hmm. would make me either feel a lot better or, like, would calm me down or, Mm -hmm. you know, put me in a better mind space. Things like that just aren't working for me anymore. It's totally different. What kinds of things are not working? So, like, basic anxiety practices that I would have with, like, breathing techniques Mm -hmm. or, like, trying to put myself to sleep. I would have this self-hypnotization thing Mm -hmm. that I would do that one of my therapists in the past taught me. It doesn't Mm -hmm. work anymore. My, like, breathing exercises and stuff like that don't work anymore. Oh, your problem are getting too big for those things exactly you, gotta, you have to get the upgraded version yeah i need more medication is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i um it really sucks i feel like so, something that i used to do to like calm myself down and this is like a normal like we would do this together it was just like eat ice cream on the couch and like mm-hmm. watch tv and that would be like sort of a soothing activity and then i started realizing that um you know, this is not like any sort of brilliant realization, but like sugar and a shortcut soothing technique like that <laughs> yeah. actually makes me more anxious in the long run, even if it works for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly sugar intake is like something that makes me feel completely out of control with my eating habits and just mm-hmm. like I get really irritated. And so like now I'm at a point where it's like, hey, you can't do that anymore. You actually have to stop eating sugar. Like you have to control yourself. And that's specifically that is so painful. I can't that imagine not being able to eat sugar. I had to stop smoking weed entirely. Really? I can only do edibles occasionally and they have to be purely indica. I can't have any type of sativa. I don't actually smoke anymore. I can't do it. What Otherwise, started happening? Immediately, I just get extreme anxiety. And, like, I can't stop thinking. I can't really? turn it off at all. It used to be something that, like, my ex and I mm-hmm. would sit and we would just blow ourselves away. You totally. know, like, blow through an ounce of weed in probably six days or something. I mean, as, as long as I've known you, that's been something that, like, not that you're, like, a, a, you, I've never thought of you as, like, a huge stoner by any means. But, like, you've yeah. always, like, smoked weed. Like, yeah. that's just always been something and that you've been, done. And been, like, functional and fine with it. And, like, I could go out and do things and, mm-hmm. like, be present or, you know, do anything or drive or any of that. I can't mm-hmm. do that now. Yeah. If I smoke and try to go out in public or do anything, oh, it's an immediate panic attack. I get it. I, I've felt that way with weed for most of the time. Like, I'm just not great at it. But it's really interesting that that's something that 
That's a, that was a big thing. Yeah. That really worked for you. Yeah, for a long time. So you mentioned your ex. Um, and do you mind if I tee up sort yeah. of your... Okay. So um, today, Will, my guest is William Brill. He has been one of my best friends since we were like 19 years old. We met at college orientation for Missouri State University. And then we both... What now? Dropped out uh, and moved to LA. Um, but superstars. Some, <laughs> superstars. Oh, yeah. You'll recognize both of our names. Oh, uh, yeah. You'll find us very famous. <laughs> and if you Google us, you will find us immediately. You won't have to scroll for like five pages. We'll be there. No, no, no. Right at the top. Right yeah. at the top. Um, but some stuff happened in between there, those two things, like Couple us things. starting college and like living in LA together. Um, and so Will got married um, in Springfield, Missouri at a very young age mm -hmm. um, and then subsequently got divorced a few years later. So um, let's start like at the beginning because I, I don't tell. Yeah, I'll, you take it away. What happened in the very beginning? Um, I wasn't. No, I wasn't dating Chris when I met you. No, I it don't was... even. I actually don't even think you were totally out yet. Mm, probably, but not. Maybe not. You know, super comfortably, or yeah. You know, I had just done that not too long before with my parents and some people, and it wasn't something that I was like mm -hmm. running around telling everyone. Although I was running around, and it was obvious to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> But that's not the point. Um, but yeah, I, you know, dated a few people in college, whatever, and met him. And we started dating. Actually, I met him with you. I always forget about that. Wait, really? Because oh, at the mall. At the mall. Because you wanted to go to Charlotte Roos. I don't know, something. <gasps> and he worked there. So this is my fault. It is your fault. And I have always held you responsible for it <laughs> from the very beginning. <laughs> So, oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, I always forget about that. That's how we met. Um, oh and I don't god. really remember how we actually started talking or anything like that, but I don't know, maybe we exchanged numbers or like found me on Grindr or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, we started dating, and around that time, I moved out of my parents' house into mm -hmm. an apartment with a girl that I was working with, and I lived with her for maybe like two months or something mm -hmm. before he and I decided that we were going to live together. Wow. Wait, so between meeting him at, Char and at Charlotte Roost and moving in with him, how much time had passed? Um, oh, maybe somewhere between like four and six months. Okay. It was pretty quick. That's fast. Probably yeah. Probably four or five months or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's not unheard of or crazy, but that's fast. Yeah. 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 Not totally unusual, but yeah, yeah. it was very quick. Um, so we moved in together. Mm -hmm. We did that for a little while, that whole thing in Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, we knew, I think, pretty quickly we had talked about one day getting married. and Really? Yeah. I want to know what it felt like. Because that was like your first, like, probably really serious relationship, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, and I think probably important to mention, he was 10 years older than me, too. Mm -hmm. So and I how was... how old were you? You were like 20? I was 19 when I met him. I was about to turn 20. Wow. Um, and, and he, he was, was 29. 29. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Yeah, so we had a 10-year age difference. Mm -hmm. um, what did it feel like in the beginning? Like, when, like was it... I'm sure it was like exhilarating and fun and it like It was. It it was. Um and also for the wrong reasons. 
Really? Was, yeah. Because, um, you know, he had some problems. He had some addiction problems. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely had some dramas that he had never worked through. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of underlying anger there that I didn't really realize at the time. I didn't recognize and know this was going on. Anger. Mm-hmm. How did you... How did that um, manifest in him? Most specifically, I mean, he always had a short temper. Like, Mm -hmm. little things would set him off and he would be angry. Mm -hmm. But in just a normal environment, like, you know, we're at our home and Mm -hmm. something happens and he gets angry. He just gets angry. And so just that's the quick end of it. to anger, quick to anger, mm-hmm. come to, came down really quickly. And mm. it wasn't like a huge deal, but it was always like, you know, just bubbling at the surface. Like you would be, be like, angry oh, he minute. has a temper. Like, exactly. Yeah. OK. But more so when he would drink. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, he had addiction issues. And when I met him, he had a um, what is, I don't remember what those things are in your car. The oh, actual word for it. A where you have to blow into them. Before yeah, they you call can... them blow and goes, but I don't remember the actual word for it. But God, I don't I don't know either right now. Yeah. For some reason. But yeah. So like basically, if you have a DUI, yes. you have to have one. Installed if you have in your multiple. Oh, you oh. have to have one. So I think he had three. Wow. Yeah. So when I met him, he had this in his car. And you have to do it to start the car. Yeah. And every, like, five minutes Mm -hmm. or something, you have to do it again and keep doing it to keep the car going. Every five minutes? Yeah. It's frequent. Because it measures your blood alcohol, I guess. Mm -hmm. Oh, because I guess if you really wanted to, you could blow into it, have a normal blood alcohol uh, ratio or content level, and then... Take a shot and keep right. driving. Or, yeah. you know, like start the car and like go somewhere, yeah. leave the car on or something, you yeah. know, like go and pick up liquor and drink or whatever and then drive home. Yeah. But so, yeah, you have to keep doing it to oh keep the God. car running. And if you don't do it fast enough, the car just turns off. Isn't it funny how when you're young like that and you have all of these like love chemicals floating around in your brain, something like that just seems like, I don't know, it. It just seems like something you can get over pretty easily. Right. Well, yeah, because I think, I guess what I was thinking of it at the time was, oh, you know, he's doing this now and all of this happened to him in his past and he's sober now. When I met him, he was sober and Mm -hmm. he hadn't drank for probably, I don't know, a year or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like well into his sobriety. Right. But he had to have this thing on his car for like two years or something like that. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, he was sober, Mm -hmm. but probably... I don't know, eight months or something after we started dating and we've been living together for a while, he decided he was going to start drinking again. And it was just, you know, socially drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to go out for a night and have a couple drinks with some friends. Mm-hmm. But it was never, I'm going to go out and just have a couple drinks. It was like... That was always always the intention, but never what happened. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was always getting blackout drunk, like falling over, stumbling, slurring, a mess, blackout drunk. But that was really when, like, the real anger would come out. Mm. Because then he would start to show, you know, what was really going on with him. Mm -hmm. And um, he would get emotionally and verbally abusive. And he would just say these, like, crazy and insane things out of nowhere and just do random shit. That Mm. was really hurtful. Really? I think the... Not the, like, not the worst thing that he did, but one of the most shocking things that he did one time was I had a friend over... And we had all been hanging out and drinking. And in front of this friend, he got super drunk to that blackout point Mm -hmm. and was demanding me to go get him more alcohol. And at this point, I had already learned, 
if he wants more alcohol, obviously he doesn't need any more. Mm-hmm. So what I would do was go get like, I don't know, a seltzer drink or something mm-hmm. and cut it with water and he wouldn't even know, you know. Whoa, really? Yeah. So you were already, you were like, okay, here's how I'm going to cope with this. I'm going to give him a little bit of what he's asking for, but really he's not getting anything. Right. Because, you know, he's already drunk. He's did blackout. He, he doesn't that need you did it. That? And he didn't even know. Because he was blackout drunk. He had no awareness of his surroundings or what was going on or nothing. Oh, my God. So he would never know. That's so... It, how, all right. And how old were you when this was happening? That was maybe like two years after. I was probably like 21. So okay. I started doing this. So Okay. My so, friend was over at this time. He got blackout drunk to that point. Yeah. And something happened. I don't even remember what, but something triggered him. Mm-hmm. And he picked up all of our wine glasses and threw them at the wall. <laughs> You know, with Whoa. stuff in them and everything and in front of her. Whoa. It was so violent and embarrassing. And he just didn't yeah. even think anything of it. He just like brushed it off like it was nothing. Whoa. Nothing at all. And you're like, like at this point, clearly you're like, okay, this person has a problem to the point where you're having to like overcorrect secretly. Yeah. That's really intense for anybody and especially someone who's like really young yeah you know what i mean like yeah the thing about it was it what was so tricky about it was it was so few and far between Mm -hmm. that it was just enough to say okay you know this happened once or twice it's probably not going to happen again you know this is like Mm -hmm. a one-time thing he just Mm -hmm. got way too drunk and did this crazy thing or said this awful thing Mm -hmm. and it's not going to happen again but he was like that he would go a couple months and then get right back on it you know, like mm-hmm. he would say, I'm going to be sober for like six months or something and then be ready and say, well, I think I'm going to start drinking again and I'm going to start doing it socially. And then it would progress to that point every time he would start. I'm going to do it socially when I go out, when I'm with friends, when we're with people, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it would eventually get to a point where he would come to like a critical moment and do something completely ridiculous mm-hmm. and then stop again. Got it. So he would just like find the edge mm-hmm. slowly. Cross it really quick and then come back. Uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Okay. And then, all right. So that's a lot already. Yeah. How are you? So at this point, like, how are you feeling about this relationship? Well, that's the tricky thing. Like, in those moments and in the times around when he was drinking and acting like that, mm-hmm. not good obviously. Mm-hmm. But in the other times when he was sober, mm-hmm. it was fine. Mm-hmm. Everything was fine. And there really wasn't any issues or anything to worry about. You know, there was stuff like regular couple stuff. Yeah. But it was nothing so big or difficult that we couldn't either talk about it or get over it and move on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it was kind of like, I don't know, 75, 25 at that point. Okay. 75, good. 25, not great. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's still passing. Yeah, it's still passing. It's a C. That's a C. <laughs> this is the only reason I got through math. So, <laughs> <laughs> damn. Okay. So you're living together. Things are like mostly good. Mostly. And then, and then, and then what happens? Well, so just, like during that time, the other thing that was. Um, kind of difficult to deal with about him was he was very rootless so every like eight months to a year we would have to move because he would just get tired oh rootless like he didn't like being in the same place for a long time exactly so Mm. every eight months or a year we would move that's so exhausting just all over the city and you know like springfield isn't big and it's not like it's difficult to move around there Mm -hmm. but constantly 
all the time, it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. So some at some point during this time, he decides, um, I don't want to live in Missouri anymore. Mm. And I didn't either. Mm-hmm. And we had talked about when we first met not wanting to live in this state. And it was a dream of ours to save enough money to move somewhere else mm-hmm. and have a different life and be somewhere else. Yeah. So we decided we were going to do that. But really the way that it came about um, in the definitive moment where we really decided this is what we're going to do, something happened. He was drunk. He was angry. And he told me, I'm going with or without you. Oh. And of course, at that point, I was like, I, of course I want to go. Yeah. But that that's... was one of those things that was like. He like held it over your head, uh-huh. though. Hurtful and yeah. abusive and manipulative. Yeah. And yeah. Unkind. Not an amazing foundation to like Mm-mm. start over in a new place with someone. No. Kind of being like, okay, I, I have the power just so you know. Right. Yeah. Ugh. And then you're, I mean, just so much younger. Like, there's just so much life experience that you don't have. Right. That you're getting, you know? Not to say that, like, none of this is, all of this is valuable for Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. But it's so painful. Yeah, terrible. Not the way to do it. Wouldn't recommend it. No. But that's, like, the thing. You don't get to choose. I get, you don't get to choose this shit for the most part. You just, like, go through things and it's, you know. And then you know. And then you know. You don't. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the whole, that's the whole thing of life. Like, you just don't get to, like, do anything and come out super clean on the other side. Right. You know what I mean? You're changed in some way. Um, okay, so you ended up moving, though. You right. did end up moving. So we ended up moving. Was this before or after you actually got married? Right after. Right after. Because okay. we decided if we were going to get married, mm-hmm. we would like to do it here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's here. It's easy for everyone to get here. Mm-hmm. It's not an issue. We can use my parents' house. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. They have this huge backyard and whatever. Yeah. And it'll be gorgeous. We'll do everything and we'll have a really great time. We'll save a lot of money because we want to save our money for moving. Mm-hmm. You don't want to we, spend a bunch on like a wedding. and Right. We do want to get married. So why not do it now mm-hmm. instead of trying to do it later when we're there and make everyone come there or try to come back or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the situation was. Mm-hmm. So we decided to get married before we left. Mm-hmm. So we got married um, April. God, I don't know the year. Um, <laughs> and I remember we, flying back from L.A. Yeah. To go to your wedding. So it must have been like. It was Earth Day, April. 2016? 2016. 16, I think. Yeah, because I came here in 2018. So yeah. I think it was 16. Yeah. Um, and then like four days later, we moved. Mm. We got in the car mm-hmm. and we moved. Wow. So drove all across, well, halfway across the U.S. Mm-hmm. and moved to Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, we got there. Things were immediately stressful because yeah. we couldn't find an apartment from a distance. Like, nobody would talk to us. Really? They didn't take us seriously. What did you do? What, like, where did you go at first? We got a Motel 6. Really? And stayed in it for, like, a week and a half. Yeah, until you could find a place. Until we could find a place, yeah. Mm. So we just had to go out there. And as soon as we got there, we had to start apartment hunting and got into this super shitty apartment. Like, mm-hmm. it was fine, but it was not good. Yeah. Um, so things kind of got started off to a rocky start mm-hmm. there. And then I th- once we got there, we were so isolated from everyone else and everything that we knew that that's really when things were like, 
oh, this is just not good at all. So just a spotlight mm-hmm. on both of you, because there's like truly no other stimulus. Right. So, so immediately things were not good. So immediately things were not good. He started drinking again. Mm. He was not the type of person who was emotionally open and would talk to you about things. You had to pull it out of him. Mm-hmm. And I'm young. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't yeah. know how to, like, deal with that. I don't know how to talk yeah. to somebody like that. Yeah. So I'm trying to do all of this on my own, understand what's going on, mm-hmm. try to also take care of him because mm-hmm. now he is getting more progressively deeper into his alcoholism and being more and more verbally abusive, Mm. just doing dumb stuff, um, not coming home at night, disappearing, couldn't like, didn't know where he was, couldn't find him. And then you're, you don't even know anyone. Yeah. There's nobody who can help me. I don't know anyone there. We don't have any friends there. Nobody's, you know, nothing. So I'm totally on my own in this. Do you feel like in any way, I don't know. I want to be careful with this because uh, I think that it is still like alcoholics are often still wonderful people and that, you know, having alcohol, uh, an alcohol addiction doesn't inherently make you an abuser or a bad person. I think that like it probably exacerbated some of these abusive tendencies that he he might have already had just not having healed some of the things that he had gone through previously. Like definitely, you know, usually like alcohol is a tool to feel better from something right Um, and he had told me past traumas from either his family or his mm -hmm. relationships things like that that those people had been abusive to him and it Mm -hmm. seemed like he was drinking not only to cope with that to feel better yeah but it enabled him to act like that too because it seemed like when he was really in love he didn't know any other way to display it other than what had been yeah devastating yeah I was going to ask, do you think that like him wanting to move all the time and eventually move like so far away, do you think part of that was like isolating you? It could have been. Um, I feel like he was so caught up in himself, though, that he probably he probably didn't consciously go there. Yeah, I don't think he was thinking about me at all. It was Mm -hmm. more like probably isolating himself mm-hmm. because I really think that and um, therefore you so not like yeah not like oh I'm gonna get Will out here where he has no one yeah I don't think it, I don't think it was that I think it was he wanted to be out there on his own to isolate himself to hurt himself so a self-sabotage that you were just like collateral damage in. exactly and well and because I was the one who was holding it together I was always the competent one. I was always the one mm-hmm. who, was, who had the job, mm-hmm. who had steady income. He would quit his job frequently, mm-hmm. and it would all come down to me. And then he would just not be working and doing this or that or whatever and go into a totally different field of work that he had no experience in, so he was never making any money. And mm. all of the responsibility would just fall to me to not only take care of the house, but take care of him. And... So you just got completely caught up in another person's like uh-huh. chaos and storm, you know? like Basically. God, what a nightmare. So at this point, so before you moved, it was like, you know, 25 bad, 75 good. At this point, what is the, what's the breakdown? (laughs) It was like 80% bad and 20% good. Wow. What were the good times like then? The good times were like when we would go away together, like when we went um, to small trips around Oregon, because we wanted to see Oregon and it was beautiful. And that was Mm -hmm. the reason that we moved there. Mm -hmm. Like we would go hiking and we would go to Portland or this little town on the coast, Florence. Mm, and So you know, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. We would spend a couple days there, go for a long hike, stuff like that. That was the 
the beautiful part, but it wasn't because we were together doing it. It was because that was what each of us individually wanted to do anyway. Mm. It it wasn't because we were there together. So that was like your baseline, like compatibility is that you both liked being in beautiful places and like being outside. And that's where you could like kind of come together and have like any sort of healthy relationship was just like the, the like only foundation in which you were compatible. Basically. Cause looking back on it and when we very first met, I really can't think of like what, yeah what we had even in common or what drew us together well it's funny that you mentioned like smoking weed because like that seemed to be something like an activity that you could do together yeah that was like we would get high as hell and yeah. we would watch movies yeah and part of that was because he was older and i was younger i didn't know a lot about gay culture whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that or history and mm-hmm. anything like you mean that like pop culture like pop culture yeah and so he would introduce me to it because we get super high and we would watch these movies listen mm-hmm. to this music you know do things like that and he would tell me about it mm. so all of my basis for what it means to be gay or where all of these things mm-hmm. came from was because he was informing me and telling me Wow. So, okay. And I think it's important to mention, like, Springfield, Missouri is not an amazing place to be, like, a... Or not even Springfield. Like, outside. Like, Will and I are both from uh, smaller places outside of Springfield. So, like, rural Missouri is not a an especially safe or supportive person to... Or place to come out as a gay person. No. Like, or learn or know like, anything. Right. Because right. it's like... And, like, thank God you had a supportive family and, like, a supportive... Right group of friends but like even then there's no one who's going to be like oh and by the way like here's here's like our the art that we've made and like here's like you know our i don't know just all the stuff that you don't you don't get to see because you're just so it's so not okay Mm -hmm. in most of like you know rural communities totally it's totally hidden so if somebody doesn't tell you about it you don't know that it's there right like even the gay bars you you don't know that they're there unless you're told about it there's one specifically that i'm thinking of across from a it's not a ralph's this is a grocery store there um it's across the street from it and it literally looks like an abandoned building but it's gay bar you wouldn't know it's there so someone truly has to like take you by the hand and show you right like here's here's like how you can fully be yourself here and here's like community literally here is the door yeah yeah and that was that person was your partner like at the time right so so, of in, course, you're, like, so attached to that. Right, because he's taught me a lot. It's, mm-hmm. it's all that I know mm-hmm. in all of the spaces that we went to, gay spaces. He introduced me to them. He brought mm-hmm. them to me. But it created this really traumatic memory of going out and mm-hmm. being in spaces like that because that's when he would start to act abusive and he would get drunk. Oh, my God. So, going out and being in bars or being in these spaces didn't feel comfortable to me anymore because of that yeah so anything that i could have had any space that i could have had to feel safe or comfortable where i was around other people like me or to like explore and like learn yeah yeah taken away terrible association Mm -hmm. man that's so sad um so whenever you moved to oregon like did you both go out and like find new places and like were, was it sort of like a you were doing this together like exploring like because I think it's like where you were probably like quite a bit more socially acceptable to be like gay. Yeah. Um, were you doing any of those things like I guess I guess going to gay bars or like so we tried to mm-hmm. but because of that 
fear that I had and the, the memories that I had of those experiences, I didn't want to. I didn't feel comfortable and it didn't mm-hmm. make me happy and being in those places didn't make me happy. Mm-hmm. So then it became he's going out and doing this on his own, which was okay, but yeah. it was a problem because of his behavior because he would get super drunk and then he wouldn't come home and mm-hmm. who who knew where he was? What was going on? Yeah. And he it's not like he knew anyone out there either. No, he didn't know where he was or what was going on. So he's just like lost and like yeah. drunk and unsafe probably. Yeah, literally. And- that's really scary. And then you, what do you, you have nothing to hold on to. Like, you, what are you going to do? No one to call, no one to talk to, like, yeah. nothing. So it just became a lot of that, like, the anticipation of waiting for mm-hmm. something to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just constant anxiety and fear of, like, what, okay, what is it going to be next? And how, mm-hmm. how long am I going to have before it happens again? Mm-hmm. You know? God. So that's not fun. That's not a good experience at all. No. Like you're a newlywed and you just got out of your hometown. That sucks. Right. You should be happy and like driving around and like experiencing all these new places yeah. and going all these places. Instead, and you're like totally isolated. Yeah. Don't want to go anywhere. Don't want to do anything. Too afraid. Um, just generally unhappy and not having a good time. Oh, my God. Okay. So when... What... Okay. How did it start sort of like deteriorating? Like, your relationship, like... God, it's so hard to say. <laughs> There's yeah. no, like, specific moment, you know? Yeah. Um, it was just, uh, over the course of time, all of these things start to really build up to a point mm-hmm. where it's like, we can't take this anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you the moment where we decided that we were going to break up and get divorced. Okay. Um, it was after he had just went out a couple days before... Didn't come home. Mm-hmm. Woke up in some trailer somewhere. Came oh home. We argued, you know, for days about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Was he apologetic at all? Yes, but also <laughs> not like he should have been. Really? Not apologetic. Like, you know, I shouldn't act like this or I, I have a problem and I need to get help with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was... You know, you shouldn't worry about it because I'm fine and I don't know how to take care of myself. I'm sorry I didn't come home. Oh, it was more like situational mm-hmm. and not like zooming out like... This is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So around that time, he finally got into AA because I finally basically like broke... I broke him down basically, which I'm not proud of. I, you know, I was a problem too. It wasn't all on him. I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. Had a lot of anxiety. Didn't know how to navigate this relationship. Sure. Didn't know what to do with him. And I finally broke him down and got him to go to AA. Mm-hmm. And it actually seemed like he was doing okay for a little while. Mm-hmm. Like a couple, maybe like two and a half months or something. He went. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped. Because you I don't actually have a problem, you know? Really? Right. Oh, he was because he was going to appease you, not because like he knew in his heart that there was something he needed to right. like address. Because you know, when AA starts, everybody goes around the circle mm-hmm. and they say, "I'm so and so, and I have an alcohol addiction." Mm-hmm. Whatever. He yeah. would never do that. He, he told would just you say his he... name and move on, because he wouldn't admit that he had a problem. Wow. So, anyway, two and a half months later, however long it was, um, he stops going, and. Of course, I'm extremely unhappy with that. He's mm-hmm. quit his job. He hasn't been working for the last two months. 
you know, I'm trying to do everything that I can mm-hmm. to support the house, making like $35,000 a year. Oh my God. And at like 22 years old or 23, like that's fucking yeah. amazing. Working, well, working remote job and driving for Uber. Oh my God. So you're working two jobs. Yes. While he is not contributing financially at all. At all. At all. Nothing. Mm. Yeah. So I'm working literally constantly. Mm-hmm. I worked on central time. So I worked remote 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. to 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards I would get in the car and I would drive for Uber because it was a college town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's yeah. a lot of people around. So I would do that and make all of the money. And a little while after that was going on for a couple weeks, I woke up one morning to start work. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't up yet because it was early. And I got up super early to start work. Mm-hmm. Got on my computer. Was going to look something up for work. And in the recent searches in Google, you know how it used to have like the drop down mm-hmm. and it would show you? It was one bedroom apartments in <gasps> Eugene, Oregon. Oh, wow. And I was like, I <laughs> I'm not looking at this. Wow. So, yeah. So I saw that and... Oh, I can just feel like that sinking feeling. mm -hmm. That is like, yeah. Because, oh, what? Yeah, that must have felt like such a slap in the face. Just tragic. Yeah. And and, and like after all of this is like I've been putting all of this work in Mm -hmm. to help us and help you and trying to do my best in this situation that I don't know anything about. Yeah. And you're just going to leave? Yeah. You know? So saw that. Woke up. I confronted him about it. I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And that's when we decided that we were going to break up and get a divorce. Really? Yeah. Oh, my Which God. Which wasn't the end of the bad times. It only got worse. <laughs> so you... Oh, so it wasn't like, okay, we're going to get a divorce. I guess go live in that one-bedroom apartment. Bye. Right. It was like, okay, we're going to get a divorce, and we're still sharing the same space for an indefinite amount of time. For like two months, we lived together, knowing that this was going to happen. Did you like sleep in different bedrooms? or uh-huh. like We had a two-bedroom duplex. Yeah. So in an air mattress that we had used for when my parents had came to visit. Mm-hmm. So he slept, slept on that. I slept on it, too. Yeah. Yes. When I came so to visit. So he slept on that in the yeah. spare bedroom. Yeah. And until he got a job and found a place to live. Mm-hmm. Which took time. Mm-hmm. So a couple months later, during all of this, we're trying to just space, be cordial, be mm-hmm. nice. I'm out a lot because I'm working constantly. And because now I know I have to support myself. Mm-hmm. I'm just constantly working, trying to make as much money as I can to figure out what I'm going to do after this happens. Yeah. Um, he finally gets the job and moves out. And then we get to the part of like, okay, how are we going to get divorced? What do we do? Mm-hmm. Which again came to me. Mm. So I had to bear... Do, like, the legal part and, like, find... Oh, and, my God. Mm-hmm, I had to do everything. I had and, to like, learn all about it. pay for it, I'm sure. Yeah, I had to pay... I paid for all of it. He didn't pay anything. Nothing. So I had to learn all about this, too, and I had to go have meetings with his lawyer in Oregon and sit down and figure out, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? How does this work? Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, he's not making it easy. Mm-hmm. He wants all of these things. Mm-hmm. He wants money, which, you know, we don't have. Yeah. I'm young. I don't have any money. He doesn't have any money because he hasn't worked in forever. And yeah. he's trying to get money out of me. So. Well, it's 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 hard because, like, from his perspective, probably, he's like, oh, this is my caretaker. Like, this person 
takes care of me. Yeah. And then like, you know, when you have that like golden parachute where it's like kind of no matter how badly I fuck up, this person will take care of me. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to take care of you anymore. Like this is, this is hurting me. Like this is taking too much away from me without right. like, like this is not an equal partnership. That has to be like a really rude awakening for him. You oh, know? I'm sure. Like, and I'm not sympathizing with him. Obviously, I think he's a piece of shit. But like, I I just trying to imagine from his perspective what it must be like to be like, oh, okay, Will's not taking care of me anymore. Right. Okay, so, and then that is sort of like, I mean, fucking great for you. You know, mm -hmm. there's like this personal evolution where you're like no longer willing to over-function for someone who will always like just take advantage of you mm -hmm. not that that's like really what their intention is but like it, it's so hard like that, i mean that's so many things that's like you know emotional abuse and financial abuse yeah. too like that is so hard yeah i lost a lot of money in those early years that i was like if mm -hmm. i look back now oh my god what could i have done with that who even knows yeah probably a lot so much but also it's like you paid for a very valuable lesson and yeah. like how to you know like what a partnership shouldn't look like that's valuable yeah it's true um damn so okay so th so you're living together he's in the spare bedroom he wants money from you mm -hmm. what are you doing in the meantime like how are you coping like i'm not i'm just working mm. i can't deal with it until he's out mm -hmm. I, I just can't deal with it at all the only thing that i did was i did meet someone because I finally was like you know what I'm just gonna go to Gardner and talk to someone mm -hmm. and just talk mm -hmm. and I did meet someone and was like oh this is nice oh this is like oh people can be nice to you <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize they were supposed to be nice to you <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so that helped a little bit in the time but I didn't really start coping with things until I left Oregon and I moved here to California really that was really the moment where it was like you take a breath. Yeah. He was like done. Out yeah. Of your life. He wasn't done because we were still getting divorced. Mm -hmm. I had, I remember I had to call God. I don't, what are, what are those people called that you um, hire to find someone? You know what I mean? And serve them. Oh yeah. I don't know what they're called, but know. we're losing incredible. all the technical terms. Today. I want to do fine. that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening and you know what that is, let me know. Cause I want to do that job. Okay. Again, we dropped out of college. We don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take that course. <laughs> The guy who serves other guys. Never learned anything. They track them down. <laughs> yes. We missed that class. So had to do that. Mm -hmm. Came to California. Got things figured out. He didn't sign the papers for a very, very long time. Mm. And all of that was hanging over my head. But it was when I got here that I finally could be like, there's enough space. There's enough time. I'm working remotely. I can figure something out. Mm -hmm. Like, what do what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started meeting people. And I had to start putting myself out there in ways that was not comfortable for me at all. Like, what'd you do? Like, even fucking going to your comedy shows and stuff like that. Just being in public. Yeah. Being out. Oh, my God. Doing things like that was so hard. It was yeah. constant anxiety and fear and awkwardness and like, I don't, what do I do with my hands? Where do I look? 
you know, why is everybody looking at me? You know, like it was too, it was, everything was so much, but yeah. it was because I had always been so uncomfortable in those situations mm-hmm. is what I experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. So I started doing things like that. And that's when I started finally meeting other gay people mm-hmm. and making friends and getting to know them mm-hmm. and understanding what it was like to be good to people actually and have good relationships with people that weren't dependent mm-hmm. um, and that weren't taking advantage of you. to the table too. Right. Yeah. So that helped a lot, but it was hard trying mm-hmm. to get out of my comfort zone like that and just do anything at all. Totally, because your entire adult life, literally your entire adult life has been attached to this person mm-hmm. who, I mean, didn't directly say this, but like with with every time that you were like experiencing something new, the context that you're absorbing is like, this isn't safe. This isn't good for you. Right. This is going to be like emotionally expensive. You're going to have to deal with the blowback of this later. Like yep. you're not experiencing anything in any sort of positive way, no. <laughs> any sort of like social experience was like really tainted by this person. Yeah. And I mean, even to this day, even still the idea of like when somebody says, let's go out to WeHo and get drinks, immediate terror. Really? I hate it. I hate yeah. it so much. And I genuinely, despite all of that happening and having those feelings, I really don't enjoy those spaces anyway. It's just not really my feeling. Sure. But it still happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I still have that feel the... fear and anxiety of, like, what's going to happen afterwards, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Even if everything's fine there, like, something has to happen, right? Mm-hmm. It can't be good, right? Wow. Because, total, how long were you with this person? Uh, over five years. Like, five and a half years. Like, very formative, like, critical yeah. years. Yeah. So, you still feel it. But, like, what, sort of, like, what is your relationship to this divorce now like how do you feel like by far the best thing that ever happened to me yeah clearly yeah i mean i'm a totally different person than i was because when all of this was happening and even before you know i was taking everything on on my own Mm -hmm. and i had to figure out everything on my own learn everything and do it completely on my own Mm -hmm. it created that sense of like independence and self-fulfillment because Mm -hmm. now i can do anything. Yeah. I, I've been through this whole life, basically, a totally different lifetime mm-hmm. in just a short span and dealt with all of these things and picked up all of my stuff, mm-hmm. drove across the country again to mm-hmm. a new place mm-hmm. on my own, did all of this on my own, got divorced on my own, paid for everything mm-hmm. on my own. And it was at that point that I was like, there's nothing I can't do. Oh. Uh. You're fucking amazing. It felt really good. It was awful. It felt terrible, but it also felt really good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some of the biggest things are like that. Some of the biggest lessons are just none of them really feel great. You know, you don't really really learn a lot about yourself when you're thriving. I don't think. No, you don't. (laughs) Um, I mean, and it's 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 such a blessing when you get to thrive. But like you kind of have to like go through some hard lessons and like hard life experiences and bad relationships before you're able to get there and like i'm so glad that you got that over with earlier in your life like um 
what are your can I ask what are your thoughts on marriage at this point uh it's a no (laughs) (laughs) no I it's not that I wouldn't get married again I just Mm -hmm. don't really see the sense in it now Mm -hmm. and it's like it's not necessary Mm -hmm. um if I really felt like this is something I really want to do yeah I would do it Mm -hmm. but I would also do it with some hesitation and preparation Sure. You know, like I wouldn't just jump into it and be like, okay, this is it. This is how it goes. Yeah. And I'm sure, and you know, like what a partnership doesn't look like at this point. Like, I feel like you know what things that you're not going to like literally sign your name and attach yourself to. Yeah. I I will never sign anything. (laughs) (laughs) You want to know one thing it's about me is I won't sign anything. (laughs) Never sign any documentation. No, never. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Ah. Divorce just sounds so awful. It sounds so hard. It's so painful. And all of those months waiting for him to sign and try to get this over with and all of the text messages back and forth of arguing of like, well, I want this and I want that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sign anything until this happens. Just Mm -hmm. so much stress and anxiety for no reason. Because really, at the end of the day, both of us wanted this to happen. So it's like, like, why are we not just doing it? Why don't you just sign and we'll just be done with this? Yeah. Really, the way that I got that to happen was I don't remember how what he said exactly but it was an argument where he was telling me he wanted money or this or that or whatever Mm. and I finally was like you know what I think I could be married to you forever and you will never get anything from me Mm -hmm. so if you don't want to sign just be ready to be married to me for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Like your caretaker is going to ghost you. Yeah. I'm not going to be available. Nobody's going to be here. Nobody's going to help you. Yeah. But you're going to be legally married to me forever. (laughs) So good luck with that. (laughs) Oh, my God. What are your relationships like now on the other side of this? Totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's tough because in some ways it did improve them. Like... Mm -hmm. Um, it taught me obviously to put myself out there more and to be a little bit more open, but it also at the same time created this wall Mm -hmm. and this division of like, oh, you can't really get to know me until I feel like I can really trust you. Because even prior to that, I had Mm -hmm. had not relationship issues, but you know, like friendship issues Mm -hmm. and I'd been hurt a lot. So Mm -hmm. it reinforced that. You had some guards up. Yeah. Yeah. So it it made me, I think, from the outside to other people, it made me hard to know. But mm-hmm. in my mind, it was like, I'm just being careful. Like, I don't want to yeah. get into something that I'm not ready for again. And I feel like when you do have guards up and someone takes the time and invests the time right. in your friendship for those guards to, like, come down, like, that's someone who is safe for yeah. the most part, you know? Yeah. And I think... That is the good thing that it did for me is that I'm not fast friends with anyone. Mm -hmm. I wait until I feel like it's trusted on Mm -hmm. both sides, Mm -hmm. which, you know, means I don't have like hundreds of friends, but I have good friends. That's so much more important. Yeah. Yeah. Having like quality people in your life is so much more important than having a lot of people in your life. Right. It makes a huge difference. Totally. So, you know, there is two sides to it where it makes some things a little bit difficult, but it's also a benefit to me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it really pushed me out of my comfort zone to do a lot of things that I would never have done before. Mm-hmm. I would never have lived here. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. If the situation hadn't been the way that it was where I was getting divorced, mm-hmm. couldn't afford the place that I was living in, you hadn't happened to have that room open up, mm-hmm. I would never have lived here. This was literally the last place in the world that I ever thought I was going to be. <laughs> I, I would specifically say I don't want to live here. <laughs> and then here you are. And then here I am. And you've been here for years. So long. <laughs> um, what would you say to someone who's going through a divorce right now? Just try your best to be respectful <laughs> to each other, even though mm-hmm. I'm sure it's hard. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard in any situation, but God, just don't make it any more difficult than it needs to be. And I, especially, you know, like in my situation, I say it, it was easy in the relevance that we didn't have kids. We didn't yeah. have property. Yeah. You know, we didn't have things like that where we really had to go to a lawyer and like have them draft up an agreement and sure. all of these things. So. But even then, it was still so was hard still and difficult. tedious. It was emotionally exhausting. It was painful. We cried a lot. It was mm-hmm. just horrible. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going through this, just try to get through it as best you can and just try to be as respectful to each other as you can and if that means don't talk to each other then by all means do not speak to each other yeah like just don't do it yeah i wish that had been the case with us where we could just have an intermediary party deal with it but we didn't have the money for that that wasn't the situation um what were some things that you did sort of when you were in the throes of like this thing ending and you hadn't quite moved yet like what were some things that you did to just like feel the better stupidest things like what <laughs> literally your suggestion i don't know if you remember this you <laughs> call, because i called you all the time because i had no one else to talk to and you were always there and available for me and i'm so thankful for it i called you one day and you were like why don't you just build a fort <laughs> i'm so me truly having no <laughs> idea but it helped and it worked (laughs) and i did i took all of. i do kind of remember this right because i remember you sent me pictures and you built a fort in your living room beautiful it was beautiful it was beautifully constructed i took all of the cushions off of my couch and (laughs) found a lamp and a broom and some sheets and some string lights and i built a fort and i laid in it with my dog for probably way longer than an adult should (laughs) just so long (laughs) like i i didn't sleep in my own bed for probably a week and a half before i moved because i just i just couldn't anymore it was too much yeah you needed some a different just something something different. different yeah so i did that and i like literally slept and ate and lived my whole life in this very small space Oh, I, okay. But it helped. It really did. It made me feel so comfortable and like safe because the duplex that I was living in, it wasn't huge, but it was a two bedroom and mm-hmm. it was just big enough that it was like, I can't yeah. be here on my own, you know? Yeah. yeah. So making that little safe space with my pizza and my iPad and the office and my <laughs> dog and it was perfect. Just like, oh, I love that. Okay. I love that so much. I, because it seems like. I know that was like my suggestion. I don't think I knew really that like why it would be helpful for you. Yeah, I, think I don't I think just either like, of us did. No, but I love that you were like, okay, everything is so overwhelming. I need to make everything as small and manageable <laughs> yeah, as possible. Basically. 
I really love that you did that. It was great. And it, it was really the only thing that got me through like the last week or week and a half of living there. Otherwise, I like I have no idea what I would have done. It was very difficult. Oh, my God. And also because also at that point, I was trying to sell all of my stuff and get rid of it. So mm-hmm. not only did I not want to be in this space by myself, but it was also almost completely empty. Mm-hmm. So it was just stark and awful and <laughs> ugh, difficult. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you were, th- I've never seen you thrive so much as like you are right now. Like, I feel like it's you. It's totally different. Yeah. You're such an independent person and you still have like love in your life and relationships and people that you care about and that you're there for. And like, it just seems like you're doing so well. It's just so much better. It's, yeah. It really, it put me through a lot, but it taught me a lot and it made me the person that I am now and I don't know I really don't know who I would have been without it I truly have no idea I can't even envision who that person would be but I definitely be less independent and less self-aware um I've just gotten to this point where I can I can finally identify why I am feeling the way that I am and recognize how that happened mm-hmm. because of my past and what I've been through. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really only recently. It's not like after I got divorced and went through all of this, it happened within a month or two. Mm-hmm. It's really only like in the last year or so that I'm finally in like, oh, this is why <laughs> these things happened to me. Yeah. I, I can finally step back and realize, oh, because of all of this, I, I know that I have these anxieties and fears about this or that or whatever. You just have some like perspective and space. To where you can like really uh, reconcile and like mm-hmm. see what it all meant and like you know, and it, and it's nice that it's like a um, God the words that I want to use aren't the right words but I'm gonna say them like a dead situation you know what I mean like yeah. it's it's there isn't gonna be more of it because right. it's dealt with <laughs> you know what I mean so it's sort of like it's stationary and you can like have some retrospect and like you know hindsight's always twenty twenty but right. it's but that that's good. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. If right. you live to get some hindsight, like you will see it clearly for what it was and like how you you know, how you don't need that anymore and also like how I always I, I think of this is so dumb. I always think of people as like little blocks of wood and then just the things that happen to them are just like, you know, someone like sculpting yeah. the block of wood and chipping away at it. And it like obviously doesn't feel good for your own like being to get scraped away (laughs) like out but then but then you become this like super unique like beautiful shape that you wouldn't have been if you didn't like you know go through something awful (laughs) yeah no that's exactly right and now i get to do this fun thing when people ask me what's something i wouldn't know about you if i didn't know you and i tell them that i'm divorced and they're like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) wait what age were you how old were you when you officially got divorced um it was um Right before I turned 25. So you, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you're amazing. Thank you. I love you. You're amazing. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. I love you so much. I love you. I'm so glad we've been friends for like 10 years now. My God. Uh, I'm glad we both dropped out of college. This is the best thing that we ever did. Even though we don't know words because of it. Doesn't matter. I don't know definitions. We know like how to kind of get our point across yeah a lot of hand gestures and yeah i've been speaking with my hands this whole time if i hadn't been doing it i don't know if anyone would have understood me so good luck (laughs) listening to this (laughs) 
Um, Will, any parting thoughts? Just, you know, if you're going through something difficult like that where you really feel isolated and you literally physically don't have anyone around you, there is still always somebody that you can reach out to. And for Mm -hmm. me, that was my parents. They helped me and supported me as much as they could. Mm -hmm. And that was you because I called you like every single day. There is always somebody there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Reach out to your people because I remember feeling really good that you were calling me. Like it did not feel like a burden. It felt like, oh my God, like what a great opportunity to get to be here for someone I care about. You know, it feels so good to, to feel needed. And if you need someone, they will love that you need them. Like that's great because yeah. you you never burdened me. You weren't like, you didn't expect me to like fix anything. You just like needed someone to listen and like yeah. be there. You just know, talk about anything, literally anything. I would call you when you're driving down the 405, and I'd be like, "What did Hero do today?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the boy that me. I nannied. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Just like continue living your life. Rely on your people. I love it. I think you're doing so great. Thank you. I'm glad you got divorced. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Will. Thank you. Sometimes I get high. Sometimes I get low. Being young's a bitch. It's always getting old. Life is real sweet. I'm learning how to grow. When the living gets hard and the pain kicks in. And you feel too trapped in your own damn skin. Take a deep breath out and a deep breath in. Welcome to the good low.